Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers focused on topics of faith. We are family addressing the family, the body of Christ. Happy New Year to all of you listeners. Yes, yes. So excited to be back. (laughs) Season two in full effect. So excited. December was such a long month to be absent, but it was such a great, refreshing time to just reflect and prepare. So I am just so excited to be back in the groove and uh, getting back in here with you. Yeah, we need those those times of rest. But yeah, I definitely was anxious to just, I was chomping at the bit, man. Like I wanted to get back, but um, you know, when you, when you have those moments off, it just makes it just that much more sweeter when you get back. Yeah. And, you know, funny thing, too, which is also a blessing, is there were several people who I spoke to over the month of December even and uh, early January who were, like, disappointed that they didn't have an episode, a new one, um, in December to hear from us. So, I mean, it was good that they were wanting a new content, but at the same time, it's like, you can go back and replay some stuff. Yeah. I know (laughs) I did. So, yeah, it's good that, you know, the demand was there. But, yeah, we are definitely coming back for you today. So we got some good stuff right now. I'm excited. Let's do it. So today's topic, we are talking about the illustrious uh, chapter of Psalm 119. 119th Psalm, yes. The longest chapter in the entire Bible. um, The whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not going to read the whole thing to y'all. But... It, you know, the thing is, you know, when you go through reading the Bible, however many times you've read it, um, even if you've just read part of the Bible, no matter how many times you've read it, um, it's a beautiful thing when you reread certain things over and over again, whether it's the next year, the next month, however often you come back to something. But um, Psalm 119 is something that I remember, like, seeing and reading and just kind of reading, you know, uh superficially reading um, Mm -hmm. in earlier years. And the more I got into like deeper studies of the word and deeper studies of the word, like one year in particular, like God just opened it up to me in such a profound way that I had never even known before. And no human taught me this, but the spirit directly. And it was just like, wow, it was so mind blowing. So I just want to kind of share from that. um, And actually from that, that year of study when God really illuminated it to me, I actually wrote a book on this, which you've read. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, when you look at it, um, I just kind of want to share a few things just in case people are unfamiliar with kind of how it's set up in that Psalm in particular. So when you look at it, Psalm 119, you know, you're probably flipping like four pages, depending upon what, uh, how long your actual Bible is. It has 176 verses in that one chapter, but out of those 176 verses, it's broken up into eight verses. Um, So eight stanzas, you know, um, each stanza will have eight verses each, but they're all preceded by a word that most people don't recognize. So when I used to read the Bible, I didn't know what it was. It was like Selah, you know, in Psalms when you would see the word Selah, you were like, I don't know what that is. Okay, it's like another amen. You know, you would just read that and keep on going. So all these words, depending upon which version of the Bible, especially if you have King James, it would be in front of, you know, each stanza. 
And at the time, I didn't even realize it was like eight verses, eight verses, eight verses. I just saw some verses, a division, another word. Verses, a vision, division, another word. But this particular year when God opened my understanding to it and just gave me like the depth of it, I was like, wow. All of those words before the stanza is actually a Hebrew letter and a Hebrew number. And they all correspond. So basically, like in America, we have the alphabet. So in Hebrew, it would be like the Aleph bet in uh, Hebrew. So all of those words are actual letters and numbers. And so, um, like I said, it's just amazing. Um, 22 characters in the Hebrew Bible or in the Hebrew alphabet. And each of these are 22 divisions, 22 stanzas. So 22 times eight gives you the 176 of the total verses. So um, just a lot of symbolism with the numbers that are in there. You know, the number eight for the stanzas is like um, it stands for new beginnings, regeneration, new first. The number 22 corresponds with um, light. So just, you know, something that enlightens or informs. So out of all of the 22 divisions, I'm not going to cover it. My book does cover each and every single one, but I'm only going to highlight six of them and focus on one theme out of each of the things that I'm going to cover. But I definitely encourage anybody um, to just go back in and dig in, like make this a personal study. You know, it could be a month long, year long, but make it a personal study to really just dig in there and uh, go through the whole chapter. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I love Psalm 119. And it's funny you were talking about, you know, just how we used to kind of um, routinely read Psalm 119, you know, kind of growing up. Um, and I did as well. And <laughs> I didn't, I don't even think I've made it all the way through 176 <laughs> when I was reading it. Early. It was just like so long. And it's like, man, like, like, is it getting somewhere? Is it, you know, do I need to read the whole thing? And so mm-hmm. I remember just growing up, I was just like, man, like this is a long chapter. And it kind of like was almost depressing instead of encouraging in, in some senses. But um, yeah, you know, as I, as I matured and got older as well, there was just such a fruit to it. Um, you know, there is, uh, a sense of redundancy in the sense because it talks about a lot of the same themes, but it's it's almost purposeful in a sense. And we'll kind of talk about that a little bit as we get forward. But um, yeah, just kind of my overall thoughts is just, you know, I love um, the just the emphasis of the word um, in Psalm 119. I mean, 176 mm-hmm. verses and um, I mean, like 95 percent of it has to do with the love for, for the word of God and, and meditating on that word. Mm-hmm. So um, just sensing that. And, and obviously as we get into it and we talk about the word and we're, we're obviously studying the word, having a delight in the word. And so um, I was just blessed in studying this and just, just even just reinvigorating my own heart to have a love for the word and just to fix my eyes on the word of God. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I'm going to just jump right in. I'm going to start with the first division, which is Aleph and, um, I'm just going to read the the first passages that go along with it, just because I think it'll make more sense for those who may not be following along with their Bible. So I just want to read that, and then I'll get into kind of like my theme and and breaking it down a little bit more. So I'm going to come from King James, because that's how I roll. You already know. (laughs) We'll break it down for you. Blessed, (laughs) Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. 
I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. So Aleph is the number one in Hebrew, um, and it symbolizes an ox. So um, for the people of old, um, oxen were used for um, farming, agricultural, to plow, you know, the fields, and also as sacrifice. So literally, you know, back in, in those times, the people had to sacrifice all different types of things. And so oxen were used for working the fields or sacrifice. So um, the theme that I pull out of this is sacrifice. And um, how do I get that? Because within these eight verses, the psalmist speaks of the mandate uh, six times out of eight verses to obey. And he's saying, walking in the way, keeping his testimonies, do no iniquity, walking in his ways, keep thy precepts, keep thy statutes. And so when you think about all those things, laws, testimonies, uh, precepts, and statutes, what are we talking about? It's the same thing. Um, they all have a little bit different meanings. However, at the end of the day, he's saying, obey the Lord, obey his commandments, obey his word. Mm -hmm. um, laws are binding customs or practices of a community. So when you start thinking about the laws of the Lord, what are the binding customs and practices that the people of God are supposed to um, observe? You know, what is the rule of conduct that God has established or prescribed to us through his word? Um, when you think about his testimonies, these are divine decrees from heaven um, given by authoritative order. They are direct commands from God himself, and there is no one but chief above him. Um, his precepts, their commands, their principles that are intended uh, to be rule, general rules of action. Um, commands or principles, again. So when you command, anytime you hear the word command, a commander in chief, a commanding voice, I command you to do this. It's always um, some type of um, suggestion of order, authority, um, action is required. It's not a suggestion. I'm not um, telling you what I hope you would do or wish you would do, would like you to do. I'm telling you what I expect you to do, period. Um, when you think of commanders on earth, whether they're army or wherever other kind of commanding positions people have, I don't know that any of us think about somebody not obeying a command from hmm. a commander. So why we would not obey the Lord's commands, um, we have things off when we translate our natural behaviors um, and earthly behaviors to the heavenly realm. And finally, statutes. Um, they're an act of a founder who intends something as a permanent rule. So God being the founder of heaven and earth, <laughs> yeah. he has established permanent rules for us to observe and they're not to change no matter how society changes and I know some one of the episodes that we had last year we talked about one of those um, you know how things change in the earth but God's remain forever no matter who disagrees with it no matter how they vote no matter how many people agree with it what God says is what God says yeah. period so <laughs> um, just another couple of verses to just even kind of fortify this a little bit more is um, from Luke, you know, we're looking at that symbol of an ox and uh, that plowing, right? Um, Luke 9.62 tells us, Jesus says to him, no one puts his hand to the plow looks back to the things left behind. Um, it's fit for the kingdom of God. So you don't put your hand to uh, the plow of serving the Lord and following and obeying God and look back and be like, you know, should I really do this? Do I really want to stay in this? You know, um, and then 
lastly, when we look at sacrifice, um, Romans 12, 1, always a reoccurring scripture. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let your bodies be a living and holy, uh, living and holy. Make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all of your members and faculties, sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. This is the way to truly worship him. So um, I gave you that in a non-King James version because obviously, you know, you've heard it from me before, but to, to expound that differently to show you that, you know, this is a plea, you know, Paul pleads and we as ministers of God plead with the people of God to offer our bodies, offer our lives to God. Um, it's the least that we can do for our lives to be holy and acceptable to him. And that includes everything, our, our mouth, our words, our hands, everything of our body to, acceptable to God, not acceptable to yourself or your neighbor or somebody else, um, acceptable to God because this is the true worship to him and this is what's holy and acceptable to God. So what do you think so far about that point? Yeah, I like that um, correlation to obedience because um, when you mentioned about commanders, you know, we have a responsibility to be obedient. Um, and I like how the psalm starts out um, with the first three verses. How it says blessed, like you're blessed when mm-hmm. you're obedient. It's not just saying like, hey, you know, we're trying to you know give you this directive, and and God's not a slave driver that's just trying to just pound rules and commandments. And you know, we hear a lot of non-believers just saying the the Bible is just a book of rules that we're supposed to follow. Um, there's a blessing that comes from being obedient. So it's not that he's mm-hmm. just this this forceful God that just wants to tell you what to do. There's a purpose to his commands um you know i I was in in church today we were talking about genesis and you know just how god created the the heavens and the earth and and when he created everything he said this was good and so there's a good to god you know there's a good purpose Mm -hmm. for what he he intends for us to do and so there's a blessing you know starts off first one blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the lord so there's a blessing when you choose to listen to god (laughs) yeah um, that's what i love about it and so um you know, so I just wrote down a couple of things about, you know, what we're blessed or, or those who are blessed, um, the characteristics, characteristics, excuse me, of those who are blessed, um, whose way is blameless. Verse one, who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep his testimonies, who seek them with who do no wrong and who walk in his ways. So um, obedience to his laws, his precepts, his testimonies, his statutes, as you mentioned, um, that's what sticks out to me. And then the second thing is a completeness to that. Um, it's not just mm-hmm. that we're being obedient, but we're obedient with all of us. Um, yeah. Verse two says his whole heart. Uh, verse three says um, who do no wrong. Um, and then lastly, in verse six, it says um, all of your commandments. So there's a, a completeness to us being obedient. It's not just, well, I want to be obedient to this one because it seems like it's okay. Mm-hmm. If you this one's simple or, or this fits in my situation, but this one, I don't know about that one because I don't like that rule. Um, like you said in Romans 12, 1, that we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, um, our entire body. Like you don't sacrifice half of yourself. You know what I'm saying? When you die right. to yourself, like, <laughs> you're dead. You know what I'm saying? So there's not a part of you that's supposed to stay alive so that you can continue right. doing what you want to do. Like you've died um, to your old customs. You know, you put off your old self wow. and you put on the new self. So when you do that, it has to be a completeness. Otherwise, what are you doing? And you're not being obedient. So, yeah. you know, my summary to that was just that. Um, God blesses those who walk in complete obedience. 
Um, and uh-huh. for me, there's two things that I must always do. I must do right and I must do well. Um, and that is complete obedience to God. Mm. So we have to come back to that word obey because, you know, um, if that's the theme of this stanza of Aleph, um, that word obey has a Latin root. And the Latin root for that word obey is to listen. So that brings me back to something that you know. You already know. Receive obey. <laughs> receive obey. And some of y'all, you know, you may or may not like it, but God is redundant throughout the whole Bible. So I don't care if you've been listening to us all of last year, half of last year, you know, three months. Um, yes, there are repetitive things, but if you've read the Bible at all, the Bible is re- repetitious. Jesus himself, God is repetitious for a reason. As he's saying the same thing in different right. ways, exactly, um, to remind you of something he's already said before. So he's saying it through different people, different times, different examples, but he's saying the same thing. And so you can't obey without having heard. And you can't um, um, obey without receiving because the receiving is agreeing, you know. Basically, we could we could even change that to hear, agree, obey. Mm. But either way, the Lord himself said that as many as received him, them he gave the power to become the sons of God. That's in John chapter one. So if you received him, that means you heard him, you received him, you now have power to obey him and become the sons of God. Um, so by not receiving him, you're saying, I don't agree with you. So therefore I will not obey you. So that's basically like the chain of command. So Donald Whitney has a book on spiritual disciplines. And one of the things that he says in that book is that biblical intake, like literally like intaking the Bible, hearing it, reading it, is the most important spiritual discipline. And the easiest way to take in the Bible is just hearing the word, like literally putting it on, whether you're sitting yourself down in front of a sermon or whether you sit yourself down in front of an audio thing or a TV screen to watch a replay of something. But literally hearing the word is the easiest form of taking in the Bible. So why then, he says, is it considered a discipline? Hmm. Because if we don't discipline ourselves to hear the word regularly, we may only hear it accidentally just when we feel like it or never at all. So accidentally is you're just in a room and somebody else who actively wants to hear it is listening and you're just in the room and you might hear something by default because you're just there. When you feel like it is like, I feel like going to church today or I don't mind going to church today. I'll put that on. Right. Mm -hmm. Or even I don't want to listen to last month's episode of her bro, his sis, but um, I don't mind this topic. So I'm going to go ahead and listen to it this time. Right. Or never at all. You just don't want to hear it at all. So, You have to understand that um, sometimes your obedience is sacrifice, and I've said that before, but sacrificing even listening sometimes. um, Doesn't James say be swift to hear, right? Quick to Mm -hmm. hear and slow to speak. So being swift to hear, just stop right there before we even talk about speaking. Swift to hear. We need to sit ourselves down and just listen to God. Um, If you just if you just think about what you do allow yourself to sit there and listen to, just take God out the equation. If you're Mm -hmm. not a fan of hearing the word, if you're not a fan of listening to preaching or biblical conversations or 
you know, godly content, you know, whether it's not even a podcast, it's just you and somebody else is having a conversation and the Lord is involved, right? Mm. If you're not a fan of that, what are you a fan of? What are you willing to sit down and listen to? What are you willing to endlessly even sit down and give your ear? You know, often throughout Psalms and often throughout Proverbs, the word says, incline your ear to hear, incline your ear. You're inclining, meaning you're leaning in. You're literally offering your ears at that moment in time to engage and and consume whatever content is coming from the person or the source that you are choosing to give your ear to at that moment. So what are you willing to? You know, is it anything that's going to edify and strengthen you? Is it anything that's going to pour and build up your spirit? Is it anything that's going to keep confusion and negativity? Um, If you even just apply Philippians 4, when it says, think on these things and compare what you listen to now against those words and those verses, are those things that are lovely, of good report, of virtue, of any praise, right? What are you listening to? What are you willing to listen to? And just think about your discipline enough to sit there for that. So you have the capacity to sit there and be disciplined to hear the word of God. You just don't want to hear it. So therefore, that's something that you need to be self-aware of and own it if that's really you like sometimes we're not self-aware about where we are when it comes to this type of stuff and once we are self-aware we're convicted so the conviction is good because that lets you know like man i am like out of i i need to get myself together Hmm. (laughs) or or you have no problem or shame and if that's where you're at that's where you are own that though don't be out here and acting like you're truly representing the Lord, though, if that's where you are and you own that. That's all I have to say about that. Mm. Mm, that's good. There's a couple of times I was going to get out of my chair, but I wanted to be dignified. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be dignified. They can't see you. <laughs> Wait to the live episode. <laughs> um, so I, I like that whole here receive obey thing and it, it made me think about again i was at church this morning and you think about when people are listening like there's an engagement to that right so i was listening to we had a guest speaker today and like myself i mean i leaned in right i'm like man this is interesting like this is good stuff like i'm, I'm engaged I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm enjoying what i'm hearing and so i, I lean in right and so you can kind of scan the room and see people who some people are casual and they're you know their back is kind of pressed into the back of the chair and they're kind of relaxed and they're not really listening um like you can kind of read the room right and so mm-hmm. i like when you say hear receive obey because for that word to for you to obey you have to actually listen which means you have to actually take action with what you heard because right. everybody can hear right and, and we had an episode about this so i won't go too deep into that but everybody hears it's a matter of what you do when you hear it. And like you said, you know, to receive, which then translates to obedience, which means that you've done something with what you heard. Um, Mm -hmm. Hearing and listening are not the same thing. And I say, if someone tells you that they heard you, chances are they're not listening. So if I say something to you and you just say, I heard you, (laughs) like, I'm not thinking you heard me because I had to reiterate myself to think, to wonder if you did hear me, right? So if you heard me, you would have done something and I wouldn't have had to ask you again. So when we go into hearing and listening, I I think that we have to understand that obedience is connected to us actually having an enjoyment and and an interest in being obedient, not just saying, oh yeah, I heard that the Lord, you know, I know this says this in the Bible. Yeah, but what does that translate to your own soul? Um, 
Matthew 4 says, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Like, mm-hmm. we have to to want and crave the word, not just our own substance, not just the things that, that satisfy and tickle our flesh. We have to understand that as believers in Christ, we need to saturate ourselves in the word because we cannot yeah. live simply just by eating and drinking. Like, that's not life. That's not going to get us to heaven because we enjoy a good meal <laughs> at a five-star restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like, we need the word of God. Um, and I like how he took that from when he was commanding the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8. Um, and he's talking about the manna. And he says, and he humbled you and let you hunger. This is Deuteronomy 8.3. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That, so this is the purpose, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, which obviously yeah, Jesus Lord. called before. But man lives by every word that comes to the mouth of the Lord. So if you read the book of Deuteronomy and he goes into these commands and all these things, it's not just mm-hmm. to say, hey, I just want to control you. But it's like, hey, by understanding obedience, because I have called you out and separated you and consecrated you for my purpose, I want you to look like me. So therefore, I'm going to give you these directives because I want people to know that you belong to me. So those commandments were not specifically just to say, hey, I want to control your life. Hey, I don't want you to do X, Y, and Z. But it's, hey, you're my people. And this is what I, I want you to be separate and distinguishable from everybody else. Yeah. And we understand that today in modern times, right? Like we understand uh-huh. a believer should have a certain look. There's a certain fruit of the spirit, right? And so that is for our own benefit and for our own purpose. Like you said in Romans 12, 1, to be a living sacrifice. The commands, the laws of God is the righteous way. So if we're claiming to be righteous, we have to be obedient to the righteous path of God, right? So, yeah, yeah, I, I love it. So the last thing I just want to say to close this out and uh, summarize this section is just reminding us that, again, sometimes our greatest sacrifice is obedience because it hurts to obey. Um, Because denying your flesh, your wants, and your will and your way sometimes hurts your humanity, but you know it's what, you know, what, the flesh is weak, but the spirit's willing. Um, So you know that's what's necessary to please God. And we are charged, we're commanded, we are expected to live our lives submitted to God. so if if we declare that he's truly the Lord of our life, if if you if he's not the Lord of your life, then this does not apply to you. Or if you're saying like I don't want him to be the Lord of my life, you know, like I said, after you examine your heart and see, you know, what are you truly trying to do, um, then this doesn't apply to you. But if you are really saying that God is the Lord of your life, then this is what is expected. Um, his laws, his statutes, they're not suggestions and they're not just good ideas. They are absolute requirements, and he expects you to um, comply. Um, and John fourteen fifteen simply says, if you love me, obey me. And saying that we love God means nothing until we show it by aligning our actions accordingly. So that is all for Aleph. Moving into bait, which is the second portion, uh, the next eight verses immediately after that. It says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Mm -hmm. So the one thing I love about this is you can really go 
so many, like we could literally do an entire probably two years worth of content just on Psalm 119 by itself. Mm. <laughs> Flat out, we could. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm just going to stay, you know, <laughs> concise and try to just hit it and go. Um, bait is the number two. It also symbolizes a house. So in this context, we're going to refer to like a house as a dwelling place. So the theme is to live. Um, so when you think about it, settle in, unpack, furnish the space. Um, and what I mean by that is like your heart, your spirit. You know, if we are the temple of the Holy Ghost and God is supposed to abide in you and you are abiding in him, then as you're abiding in him, you need to settle in him. You mm. need to unpack. You need to furnish the space, um, furnish your house with more of him, his spirit, his fruit, his attributes, his word. Um, so as he began and he said, how do I cleanse my way? The answer is by dwelling in, mm -hmm. <laughs> abiding in, and living in your God's word as your home, as your house. And we get that from John 15 and 4 and 5, which says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, neither can you bear fruit which produces the evidence of your faith, unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So just think of how many things we've tried to do or are actively doing without him. You can't do anything well on your own. And he's flat out saying, without me, you can do nothing. So it's going to amount to nothing, whatever you attempt to do on your own without him. What are your thoughts so far on that? Yeah, that, that word um, hidden kind of just really stuck out to me. Um, you know, Psalm 118, 9 and 11 was like one of the, the first pieces of, of this particular chapter that I, I memorized. Um, they were always said together. Now, how can a young man keep his way pure? But living every day according to the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Like that was just like ingrained growing up. Mm -hmm. But the question is, like how you said, like dwelling. Like the first thing that came to me is a hotel. Like when you stay at a mm -hmm. hotel, like it's a place of living, but you don't stay there long, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like you don't take much. Like you, and so you. Everybody knows like you're a traveler. And are we treating the Lord and His Word like that? If we're not wow. hiding in Him, if we're not dwelling there, and so. Like evaluate yourself. Like if you don't have a love for the word, and, and that's really what I got out of this chapter is is the word delight. Like such a love and a zeal for God's word that if you don't have that, like what are you hiding? I think you mentioned that in, in the first one and I left is that what are you reading? What are you studying? Like how are you doing with storing the word in your heart? Because if you're not doing that, then something else is hiding there, which means that you can't keep your way pure if you don't have the word. And I mean, that's just, that's scripture. Like, that's not us saying like, Hey, yeah. you ain't pure because you're not reading the word. Like we're saying that that's what helps you to maintain that purity is by understanding and knowing the word. So we have to get to a place where we understand that we have to put that in there. Like our heart is deceitful. Like we know that the, the word says that in, in Proverbs 4, uh -huh. And I love this in the passion version. Um, it says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. So, of course, in other translations, it says guard the heart or keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows uh -huh. the life. Like, yeah. We have to guard our heart because 
we have a tendency to believe that we're we're okay because we're not necessarily in what can be conceived as a typical sin. But there's so right. much like how you were talking about in Philippians four earlier about are you thinking about these things? Like we might not even think a subtle thought is a sin, right? But only the Lord will reveal mm-hmm. that through his word by understanding what his righteousness is. So if you don't even know his righteousness, right. if you're not reading his word, you're gonna be deceived into thinking that you're okay because you're not grounded in the word to know God's standard of righteousness. So I think that we have to get to the place where we are willing to say, like, God, I want to dwell in you. Like, I'm going to hide and camp there. Like, we're willing to find other things to camp in and have a desire. Come on. But we don't camp in the Word. So I think if we don't get to that point, we're going to, we can't be, we can't be upset. We can't be blinded to our own lack of sanctification our own lack of growth when we're not even willing to read the word first which is our first roots right mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean that's the least we could do is mm-hmm. open the word you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if we're not doing that like when you see in yourself with issues it's just like food right like if you're not dieting if you're not eating the right things and you're finding yourself either unhealthy or you're, or you're gaining a little weight like man like how do i lose this how do i do that well you can look at your diet and i could probably tell you 10 to 15 things about what's wrong with that right same thing goes right. with the word like if your diet is not the word of god I can look at your diet mm. and what it is and say, well, that's not good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have to get to that point where we can evaluate ourselves to know that what's in our heart because out of the heart flows the issues of life. So you said two things I want to speak on. You said the hotel example, and that's really good because um, what you're painting the picture for me is that, like, you know, when people go out of town or just go, you know, to for whatever purpose they're in a hotel, like, it's a short stay. Like, they're just there to visit for whatever their purpose is, and then leave. Mm. And that's how some people treat church. Like, I'm just here for this. I'm just here for this. I ain't here for the real life transformation, rooting, grounding. And I love how you said about being grounded and dwelling richly because that actually connects with the the scripture that comes to my mind, which is Colossians 3 um, and 16, because it says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Um, Teach, counsel each other with all the wisdom that the word gives and all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms like this hymns Mm -hmm. and spiritual songs so you actually blessed me um this past uh my birthday and obviously christmas are in the same month so i got a gift from you which was this bible by tony evans and one of the things that he um expounded on in that passage was that people can tell you to make yourself at home, but they don't want you going in every room of their house and do whatever you want mm. in their house, right? So <laughs> you already can feel that, right? Mm. So yeah. <laughs> God's word must dwell in us, and we should dwell in his word. It must have, the word of God must have access to every inch of your house, the house wow. of your heart. Every bedroom, every closet, the attic, the basement, everywhere. Um, You may have junk and dirt in places that you don't want God to see, but he already knows it and he sees it. You have junk that human people, now he didn't say this, I'm saying this. You have junk that you don't want humans seeing. So if I come to your house, you don't want me seeing your closet, your, your, you know, certain space in your home. That's fine because I can't see through walls. I can't see through nooks and crannies and crevices. The Lord sees all that, you know. Um, so if you let him, he can cleanse you with the water of his word, which you would know that that's also in the word of God twice. Cause he says it in John chapter 15. He also says it in Ephesians. 
So he says that you are clean by the word that I have spoken to you. And in Ephesians chapter 526, he says that we're washed and cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. So we have to let God have full access. We have to let God. Um, and again, that's like I said, with conviction, conviction is not like humans where we feel like if, if we're convicted, judge, 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 and whatever you think negativity comes attached to that. Conviction from the Holy Spirit, God convicts you not to condemn and punish you. He convicts, he's, the Bible says that he chastises and disciplines those that he loves. So he's mm-hmm. only going to make you feel like that so that you will address what needs to be addressed. If yeah. you're feeling all good and warm and fuzzy, you're not going to feel like you need to change, right? But if your feelings are hurt <laughs> and you're wounded, like, dang, like, you know you got checked. We all got checked. If you were any, let's just put it this way. If you were raised appropriately, you should have gotten checked. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just rewind that. You should have gotten checked in some way, shape, or form. If you were running the house, if you were running your parent, then I can't speak for you. But at some point in life, you know, whether it was teachers that could check you, whether it was principals that could check you, whether it was a manager, a job that could check you, somewhere along your life, you cannot get away with not getting checked, not getting told something to and if you are that sensitive that no one on the earth can check you, then you might not want the Lord because that's what God does. He's not checking you to hurt your feelings. He's not checking you to be mean. He's checking you and even mildly. Like folks don't even like gentle correction from the Holy Ghost. Like what is wrong? Like, yeah. like he's not always like out here with thunder and lightning checking you and letting you know, reproving you and rebuking you. <laughs> like, Sometimes it's nice and mild, and we still do not want to be told what we did is wrong. But that's what he said the word is for. When we go to Timothy, he said the word is God for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. We only want the doctrine. We don't want instruction and righteousness because we want to pick and choose what part of righteousness we want. But we don't want the reproof, and we don't want the chastisement and, and correction. So it's like we can't pick and choose with the word. Like if God is our God and he's trying to make us to be more like him, we that's the part of submission and obedience. It's like, look, I'm not right. Deal with those feelings and just know like he's not out here to shame you or embarrass you or whatever. That's just you needing to grow up like really yeah. and truly. Yeah, I like that. And, and I like how you said earlier about the whole make yourself a home situation because like – if the Lord dwells in us, right, obviously for us as believers, like as the Lord inhabits our space, um, he's paying rent. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he, he purchased <laughs> us, right? So for uh-huh. him to say like, hey, this is my space, like he's going to be looking around like, hey, I need that room right there. I need that room right there. So that training, right. that correction is if we go back to that second Timothy three, um, you read 16, but if you go to 17, it gives us the reason why, like, he's not checking you just to say, again, I'm this angry tyrant, but it says, so that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So if you want to be complete, you're going to have to allow God to have complete you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you're not completely obedient, he can't be completely sanctifying you. So you have to allow yep. him to get in and take that space. Otherwise you are going to have those closets where it's like, Hey, I got this hidden sin here. I got this here. Like you can't have that. Like the Lord can't use what you don't give him. So if you're not willing to give him all of you, you're not going to be all of him. Right. So, yeah. um, I like that. Wow. Psalm 118. Um, I don't know if this is one of the ones that we're, we're covering later. Um, verse 65, it says great peace. Have those who love your law. Nothing. 
So if we have mm-hmm. a love for the word of God, we are secure in walking in the right path and, and we have a protection from stumbling, from sin. So um, right. it goes back to Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Like, how can we keep our way pure? By living every day according to the word, by guarding our mm-hmm. hearts in the word of God. Yeah, it's so good. Well, that's that. We're going to keep it moving. <laughs> going to uh, skip on down. We're going to um, Kate, which is actually starting at verse 57. And that is the number eight. So I'll just read that in uh, Psalms, which says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. That's so good already. Mm-hmm. I have said I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. I'm going to try to stay where I need to stay, but I'm telling you, this is pulling me, and it wants me to go places, and I'm, ooh, okay. I don't already okay. stood up, so do <laughs> Okay, okay, all right. So, again, Kate stands for the number eight, and it symbolizes um, a house. So not like um, the last one that we did in bait, but um, it literally means enclosure. So um, it's like the Lord surrounding you like by a fence as if protecting you from danger. Okay. And so the theme I pull out of this, which is a new theme, because the first time that I read it, even in my deep study, it wasn't the, the crying out loud theme to me, but right now it is the crying out loud theme to me to say, act now. Why? Why am I saying that? Because verse 59 and verse 60 says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten, a.k.a. hurry up, Mm. I do not delay to keep your commandments. In Amplified, it says, I hurried and did not delay to keep your commandments. So this is just simply saying, like, when I read the word and I think about my ways, when I just think about what I'm doing, remember, because we just talked about how does a young man cleanse, how do I cleanse my way, right? I cleanse my way by living on your commandments, living on your commandments, living on your word, applying your word. So when I think about my ways and what I'm doing, I clearly saw that I wasn't right. So therefore, (laughs) I turned my feet to your testimony so that I now can be in your way. I did not delay and put it off to keep your commandments. Hmm. So this brings me to um, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, where it says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. And I think we've said this in both of the past two um, stanzas that we've already started, examining yourself, because that's what we're doing every time we read the word. Yeah. Obviously, like we're reading for study and we're reading to just go deeper in knowledge of the word, because that's what fortifies us, that's what strengthens us. But as we read, there are times when the text just jumps out at you, and there are times when the text is showing you, like, where you are. And whether that be good and you are in line, great. And if it's not, that should convict you on site, like, flat out convict you on site. And it says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus is Christ is in you? 
unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So Amplivita says test and evaluate yourself to see whether you are in the faith and living your lives as committed believers. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself by an ongoing experience that Jesus Christ is in you unless you indeed fail the test and are rejected as counterfeit? So the psalmist in this instance, he took a look at the spiritual mirror of the word and he saw where he was not measuring up. And when he saw his feet were not were directed in a different way than the Lord's, he did not hesitate and he didn't put it off to turn himself onto the right path. And in this instance, he illustrated what I call an ancient AA one-step, not a 12-step program, but a one-step agenda. He admitted and he aligned. I like that. The other point that I think goes along with this too, though, because I encountered this and this has not been new, but I think that the deeper that I matured in the Lord, I got greater understanding of what this passage means from John 3 and 20, because it says every wrongdoer hates the light and does not come to the light, but shrinks from it for fear that his sinful or worthless activities will be exposed and condemned or reproved. So in another word, it says that, you know, those, um, well, I'll just pull it up in King James because I just love it in that version. John 3 and 20 is where I'm going to go to. Um, but that says, for everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are right in God. So what this is simply saying that people who are in, who walk in practice habitual sin, essentially, do not enjoy coming to the light coming around the light and remember that jesus said that we are the light of the world so obviously like he is the ultimate light of the world but then he said that we are light of the world like we are light unto the world as well um so it's saying that those people avoid people of god who are exhibiting the light of god because they do not want their sinful activities or deeds to be exposed and or condemned. So they just automatically feel like, look, I'm in fornication. I'm out here doing X, Y, and Z, and I don't want to be around you because I don't want you to see it, and I don't want to hear what you have to say about what I'm, what I'm doing. Even if you're not even the type of person that will call them out, this is how their heart feels hmm. because their hearts are condemning them, and their hearts feel like I'm avoiding Jesus by avoiding this person. Wow. And this is something I still experience to this day. Titus 1 and 16, we're talking to believers now or professed believers. It says they profess to know God, to recognize and be acquainted with him. But by their actions, they deny and disown him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. This is the word of God. (laughs) Mm. So if you profess to know God, Like, not just know his name, but, like, be in a relationship with him. But your actions do not align with the fact that you know God intimately. Um, Your actions are denying God, and your actions are disowning him. This is what the word says. And then it continues to say that you as this individual are detestable. Disobedient is the biggest word that stands out, because disobedient, you cannot be anything else positive if you're disobedient. Hmm. 
we can't sugarcoat stuff again because feelings don't matter. And like you said, when you're obedient, there is a blessing attached to that. When you read Deuteronomy, which I hope you do read, there is also a, a section in there that talks about, um, you know, that Fred Hammond song came out of the book of Deuteronomy. You're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the field. Well, when you read past that, he says, you're cursed if you are this, this, and this. Yeah. So we don't want to read that. We don't want to <laughs> do a second song that says, you're cursed in the city, you're cursed in the field, because nobody wants to hear about being cursed for why he said you would be cursed. But you need to read the words to see why he said that, right? We can claim to know God, but do we live a life that backs it up? And again, the Bible talks about Matthew that we are likened to trees that are known by our fruits. And the fact of the matter is that we are known by what we do. So what we do or don't do does matter. And I was blown away because this is my final point. Um, I heard a pastor say that professing believers who live as though Jesus doesn't exist are functional atheists. Hmm. Wow. So what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, it's hard to follow that last line up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm loving the flow um, of this whole passage because, again, you know, it speaks to a love of the word and an obedience uh-huh. to it. This particular one, um, you said your what was your word again that you used uh, for this one? The theme for Act Now. Act Now. So yeah. The theme that I, so I, I like that and, I, and I'll just kind of, I guess, second that theme and, and then just even take it a step further um, is keep on keeping on. Mm. And, and the reason why I say that is because when you look at the passage, so he uses the word keep three times um, and you, mm-hmm. you mentioned it, uh, you know, he says, I promise to keep your words. I hasten do not delay to keep your commandments. You know, you mentioned that. And then lastly is I'm a companion of those who keep your precepts. So he's hanging around those who want to be like him. <laughs> um but what stuck out to me with that is the word perseverance. And I define perseverance as when your character looks like it does in the bad as it does in the good. Yeah. Because again, like you talked about, you know, you want to be blessed. You want to be blessed. Like when we think about blessings in today's culture, like it's man, the Lord bless me with a new car and the Lord bless me with a house. Like, man, the Lord bless me with, with money and a new job. And like, and they're excited about being blessed with stuff. But if you go back to the beginning of this passage, and I'm, I ain't going to preach, but <laughs> it says, blessed are those whose way is blameless. Like, it didn't say blessed are those who got 40 acres and a mule. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and, and we focus so much on, like, why we think we're blessed. Like, the Lord is like, okay, like, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. That's when you're blessed. Like, let you yeah. come back up to me again and say, man, Lord, the Lord blessed me. Like, I'm going to say, well what else is he doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, tell me, tell mm-hmm. me about your character. You know what I'm saying? Like, and those things are great. Like, and we've all said those things, but like at the end of the day, like again, like, and I love how, how like dogmatic you were on this one, because like, if we call a spade a spade, like we look at, at the beauty of God when it's beautiful in us. Right. Like yeah. our life is great. Like, man, the Lord is good. But like, <laughs> is the Lord also good when it's not good? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and so, like the reason why I like the perseverance is because like his love for the word made it a love for God. Not just like, I love God's hand, but I love God and I love his testimonies. Yeah. Like I love his law. 
and I love how he used so many different words and you broke it up in, in the first one, like commandments, judgments, testimonies, precepts, like they all mean something different, but they all matter when he says it. Yeah. And so that's the beautiful thing about it. And so um, I just have a, a couple of three points that talk about like what's mine is yours. And so um, verse 57, um, let's go back there real quick. Verse 57, he says, the Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. So it's my portion, mm. your words. Verse 58, mm. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. So it's my heart, your favor, or your promise. And then lastly, mm. is, uh, verse 59, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. So it's my ways, mm. your testimonies. So I'm choosing to be obedient. Like you used the word disobedient. Like I'm choosing to keep on keeping on by looking to you <laughs> like yeah not what makes it exciting about me like and so again going back to perseverance like if my character is supposed to look the same if i'm going to keep on keeping on and persevere then that means that in the bad i have to look exactly the same as i do in the good which means like in james mm -hmm. am i going to be joyful in testing right mm -hmm. it's not like man i'm a different person now because things are not going well it's i'm yeah. still going to look to you which means there's a hope that comes in your word even when situations don't look hopeful. That's the beauty of God's word. That's the beauty of God's righteousness. Mm -hmm. that he is never changing, which means <laughs> if he's training me and his word, again, going back to 2 Timothy 3, is for correction, training in righteousness, to be equipped, to be complete, to be mature. Like that is the mm -hmm. purpose of suffering when we think about perseverance. Um, Romans 3, or, I'm sorry, Romans 5 says that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character. So the point of right. that is for me to be fully equipped to be more like Christ by looking towards his word. So it's not just a matter of just saying, man, I'm blessed because I have these wonderful things, but you're blessed when you're obedient to God. Like, and yeah. I don't think people ever quantify it in that sense. And so that's what I loved about like your act now is like, man, when I'm not, if I examine myself, if I'm not acting right, like I need to act forthwith. Immediately, you know Immediately right? right? Okay. Like, it's not no like, oh man, okay, wow, that was that was a mistake. Like, or man, let me just keep doing that. Like, I'm already here. Like, no, it's yeah, turn Lord. and burn. You know what I'm saying? Like, let that go <laughs> and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? And go back. Like, do not delay. Keep on yeah. keeping on. Like, even when it hurts, yeah. if, if it's if it's hard, like, you got to keep it moving because that's where the blessing is. Like, that's the fruit. Yeah. And that, don't get it twisted with the things that you have. Like, your connection to God is where your blessing flows, not from the stuff you have. And, you know, and the last thing I'll say about this, because you really led us into the next point immaculately. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is that you have to act right now. You know what I mean? Like how many other things in marketing and sales, you know, pressure you to act now, act now, act now. Don't yeah. miss the sale. Act now, act now. You know, and you are pressured to do it, you know, impulse buying and all this other type of stuff. And you just get carried away with that. But like with this, you need to act now, especially when you are when your mind and your spirit connect with the fact that this is a change that's necessary for you. Um, you can't delay that and be like, oh, you know, I'm going to start that January 2nd, 2024. You know, you can't schedule that for, or, or say, oh, you know what? I didn't start January 2022, but I'm going to start February, you know, 28th. You can't schedule that. You have to do it now, um, not just because tomorrow isn't promised, but because the farther away from the moment of that um, enlightenment 
in the moment of you coming into agreement with something that you know you need to change, if you put that off, you won't stay committed. So you have to act now. Mm. That's the importance of it. Yeah. So you lose that in the moment if you if you put it off. Um, why you segued us into this was just amazing um, because Tate, which is the following eight passage, actually that number and letter means good. So the number nine translates to good. Um, so the theme for this one is it's all good. So mm. we're going to just get that out there right now. And then I'll go ahead and read those passages um, that says, thou has dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Uh, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Mm. So what are we saying here? God is good even in, like you said, and through our afflictions. So we need to examine our state of life, our heart, and our mindset when we experience affliction. Here in this stanza, we see a reflective man after the fact saying that he now realizes it was good for him to have been afflicted, acknowledging that he had went astray. He also admitted that affliction caused him to learn God's statutes. Hmm. So, you know, he's asking for God to teach him. Teach me good judgment. Teach me knowledge. Lord, you are good. Lord, you do good things. Lord, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. Why? So that I might learn. And I love how it says I might learn because not everybody does learn. Hmm. Things that are guaranteed, the Bible is very intentional and specific. When it says thou shalt, like it says that we will endure tribulation. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a guarantee that we are going to endure tribulation. Flat out, he says that um, there's no negotiation. When you go through the fire, I will be with you. It's not a matter of if you go through it. When you go through it, I'll be with you. When you go through uh, many waters, deep waters, I'm going to be with you. You're going to go through them, but when it happens, I'll be there. So the Bible is very intentional and specific when it says things that are um, intentionally going to happen, for sure going to happen. It's very specific. And in this case, it says that I might, because might and may are conditional. That gives that ties in with your will and your cooperation, right? So you can go through affliction and you can rebel. How many children have you seen that got disciplined and continue to rebel and it doesn't um, work on everyone, but you still stay consistent and continue to discipline regardless of how the child acts? Um, we discipline is not about the outcome of it. Discipline is about the structure of what it's supposed to do. But those who are exercised by it, which is why they say that when you're trained up the right way, then you're exercised by it to do the right thing that you're supposed to do. Um, the world has a skewed, skewed view of what true love is. Mm. And so many people prefer to be pacified by lies and compromise. So they think that if God is good and God loves me, then everything's going to always look good, feel good, sound good, taste good. Good always has like a positive 
euphoric type of feeling in our jacked up mindset in this natural earth now. Um, however, when you really think about it, um, not everything that is good for you tastes good or feels good. Medicine, for example, most of that stuff does not taste good, but a lot of y'all enjoy taking it or trust taking it or know that this is good for me to take this because the outcome is that I'll feel better or it will make me better. So I'm going to suffer however long it is, this taste or whatever it is, effect um, of this medication in order to feel better or whatever the goal of the medicine was supposed to do, right? Physically, uh, working out does not always feel good. Whether you are a person who enjoys working out or not, it doesn't always feel good, period. It hurts a lot of times. Athletes will tell you it hurts a lot of times, but at the end of the day, they say that it's good for them. Why is it good? It's good for health. It's good for whatever other results. Um, it's good for their craft. So there are things that we can know that don't always feel, sound, taste, or look good, but we're still willing to go ahead and partake and participate in for the outcome of the optimal good. So it's not always about what you want to hear, how you want to hear it. Sometimes you have to forget your feelings more often than not and stop being sensitive and just listen to the truth. Listen to what God has to say and, and listen to the lessons that he's showing you. Learn from the lessons that he's showing you through your stray moments or through your afflictions because it's not just when you're going astray that you're learning. It's also when you're going through afflictions that you're learning. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I like the theme. It's all good because it encompasses everything. And we've been talking about completion since, since the beginning. But, yeah, to be able to learn his statutes, as it says in verse 71. So if we're going to understand affliction as a benefit, um, and that's the purpose of affliction, then that means that this entire word is connected to our theology of God. Uh-huh. And I'll explain. So typically our our society is designed or, or what's the word I'm looking for? they think of affliction or they think of things that happen negatively as it's all negative. Like, well, what did you do wrong? Yeah. What happened? Like they connect it to something that we did. Yeah. So it always has this connotation of, well, that shouldn't have happened. Or I don't want that to happen. Whereas I think when we understand God being in affliction and helping that to shape us, that we don't look at God negatively when we go through something negatively. And again, kind of yeah. going back to the last one, but if we can look at God as, man, God, even your afflictions were good. Like Romans eight twenty eight says that all things work together for the good. And that's uh-huh. that word again, good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And then moving to the next verse, so that you may be conformed to the image of his son. So if uh-huh. we understand that the purpose is to make God more like him, will we enjoy affliction? Will we allow him to afflict uh-huh. us? Will we allow him to teach us in the mouth of those afflictions? Yeah. And again, going back to the yeah. blessings of God is even after verse 71, where he talked about the afflictions and then goes into 72, where it says the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. How much of our natural and humanistic worldview desires to be ballers and desires to have yeah. everything right and desires to be mm-hmm. rich and famous? Like that's all we chase. I mean, it's either. That's why it says, you know, you can't serve God in money. Like we chase yeah. after those things. Like 
I remember being a kid and like, all I wanted to do was be a millionaire. Like everything I did was designed to like, I want to get a good career because I'm going to be rich and I'm going to have everything I want and I'm going to chase, I'm going to buy a house and a car. Yeah. And so everything is connected to my money. Right. Yeah. But this is saying that God, I would choose the Bible over all of that. Yeah. Like, I would erase all of that game and all that fame to find you. Like, can we say that even after affliction, can we say, well, God, you're so good that I would allow your will to be done instead of what I want. I don't know if we're actually willing to, to mentally process that. And so I think this, like, and again, I, I love how we're just kind of just chewing this away because it's such a mm-hmm. large passage that if we just read it just to say, man, I read Psalm 119, like it was large, but man, I got through it. Like, praise the Lord. Like, yeah. if you're not catching these little things right here, like you yeah. just read through it, not yeah. even understanding, because again, I read it and didn't realize that 95% of it actually had to do with his word and a delight for it. So <laughs> just understanding the fact that like, let's just slow down and understand why his word is so good because his word is, is, is righteous. Like his word is the sanctifying power. John seventeen seventeen says, sanctify them in, in truth. Your word is truth. So like mm-hmm. we can't be sanctified through anything else, but the word. Right. And again, we go back yeah. to second Timothy three. It's for these purposes. So if it, the goal is for him to make us more like him. The sanctification process happens by the power of the Holy Spirit through your reading of the word of God and being willing to sit in front of the instruction of the word of God. So it's not just we're just saying, hey, you know, the word is there's some great things in there. It's you're not going to grow in the Lord if you don't have the Bible like flat yeah. out, like you need it. Yeah, like you get it. You can't say these things and you can't have this hope because you're going to look at a humanistic worldview when you go through things, instead of looking at God and saying, God, you're still good, even though I'm struggling, even though I saw death, even though I saw corruption, even though something happened to me that was apart from what I would have wanted for my life, I still trust you. And I don't think differently mm-hmm. of you because of the, the circumstances. So that's just what I'm saying. Taste and see the Lord is good. It's not just that his hand was good, but the fact that his word was good. And that's what we have. Yeah. So I love that you said that about um, you pulled that point out about Um, loving the word more than riches because you know even if we take money and uh things out of the equation you know it kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier about you know just flat out tonight delighting in the lord period like hearing his word being in his word um would you choose the bible over a television show Mm -hmm. a netflix um feast would you choose it over playing the game would you choose it over recreation time you know, like, what would you choose the word over? You know, when you're looking at your phone, your fingers choose for you. When you have that Bible app and you have a social media app, which one gets the most hits, you know, which one gets open the most? So there's just, it's just that kind of thing. Um, you know, obviously everybody's rhythm of life is different, but then again, like, we know where you're, where you're getting fed the most and, and what you're consuming the most of, what you would prefer to consume the most of like are you can you be on social media for endless hours but barely give the bible app five minutes or your Mm -hmm. actual bible 10 minutes you know so it's that kind of stuff like when you start auditing your time and your energy um that you should start feeling some conviction in there and really weighing like that's that evaluation and testing yourself to see where you are in the faith it just really is um and so the only other thing that i really want to point out about this topic too is like I had said about the dis- discipline of the Lord, um, Proverbs um, talks about it. Hebrews talks about it. Uh, but Proverbs said it first in chapter 3. It says, my son, do not reject or take lightly the discipline of the Lord. Learn from your mistakes and the testing that comes from his correction through discipline. 
So again, the psalmist had said this in the previous one where he said that he thought on his ways and he turned his feet to the Lord's testimonies. And then here, um, you know, he's saying it was good that he was afflicted, that he might learn the statutes. And then again, just asking God to continue to teach him, continue to teach me good judgment and continue to teach me more knowledge. Um, you don't ask for more knowledge for something if you haven't already done something with the knowledge you currently have. Hmm. God, it's not even wise to want more knowledge of something, especially of God, if you're not going to implement and execute the knowledge you already have of him. Um, but he says, you know, learn from your mistakes and the testament that comes from his correction. Do not despise his rebuke. For those whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. So if he loves you and he delights in you, he's going to correct you. He's going to discipline you. He's going to chastise you. He's going to convict you. But again, it's not like we relate to our human experience. It's not going to be harsh and fire, brimstone, hellfire. It's going to be in love. And the last thing I... I can say on this is that most often the delivery is not the issue. It's that we don't want what's being delivered at all. So no matter how the Lord (laughs) or myself, yourself, or any other delivery messenger brings it to you, you're not going to hear it because what what is being delivered to you, you don't want. So you can't ask for a Joel Osteen type of delivery or, uh, you know, whoever roars from thunder you know, you can't be be particular about how it's delivered. Delivery is not most people's issue. Their issue is you don't want what is being delivered in the first place, no matter who it comes from and no matter how it comes. Wow. That's why I love you. Any final thought on that? <laughs> I, I do have a final thought. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yeah, go ahead. I'm going to be brief. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, so, I got two more points, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be quick. So you brought up the Netflix thing. And, you know, we think about binge watching. Mm-hmm. Like, we binge watch a quote-unquote good show, right? Man, like, this is good. Like, I'm, I'm just spending my time watching this, and, you know, I'm going to lock myself up. Like, if we take that same energy... Like, when have we ever said, I'm going to binge watch the word, listen to the word of God? Like, we don't do that, right? Like you said, like, we'll give five minutes here, you know, this or that. Like, we'll read a quick little devotion and we'll keep it moving. And like, and we feel satisfied in that. But like, we'll binge watch something because we think it's good. If we have tasted and saw that the Lord was good, Mm -hmm. we have to keep that same energy. Right? Like, we just have to. Because you can't say, again, like like you talked about the delivery. Like, it's not, it's not the fact that it's not in the package that you want. That's just not what you're desiring, <laughs> right? Right. So if you're saying that that show is good, but then you're also going to say God is good, then you have a decision to make because what you're calling mm-hmm. good, if you're going to put God at the standard of Netflix, then you got to keep that same energy or at least put God wow. above that because you're now comparing God to something that you naturally have deemed as good when God cannot be compared to earthly things. So I just want to throw that out. I, I didn't want to preach on it, but you had mentioned it and I love when we bring what? these little natural illustrations because <laughs> it'd be taking us places and I want to speak on it. It's, but I, I'm gonna leave it right Look, there. take your time, Pastor. I do <laughs> no, not mind, right okay? There. I'm gonna leave it right there. <laughs> I'm gonna no segue, to, so I'm, I'm sure there'll be some <laughs> All I'm gonna say on that is I have my hand raised on who binges the word. Me right here. I flat out do binge the word, period. I'm gonna just leave that alone and move on. <laughs> so we're going to skip down to um, verse 137, which is Sadi, and that represents the number 90. 
So we just covered number nine. We're moving to number 90. And verse 137, it says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal hath consumed me because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. I am small and despised, yet do not I forget thy precepts. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delight. The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. So obviously the theme here is righteousness. The letter of body means righteousness. So my theme here is righteousness rules. Righteousness is reiterated six times within these eight verses. And how I want to plug this is the number 90. So because it represents the number 90, um, the number 90, uh, when you think about that number, it is a, num a 90 degree angle. And a 90 degree angle is a right angle. So right, righteousness, right mm -hmm. angle. So all this stuff is starting to connect. Um, so in carpentry, <laughs> a carpenter's primary tool is an L-shaped carpenter's square. And what that does is it measures and it marks right angles for framing walls, for flooring, and any structures that you do in building or construction. So the right angle, it holds a prominent position, and it's very um, just, just pertinent to foundations. So can you just imagine, like, any standing structure being built one degree off? Mm. Like, instead of a 90-degree angle, its foundation was set at 89 degrees or 91 degrees. Just imagine the foundation of that building being set one degree off. What do you suppose would happen to that building? It wouldn't stand for long, and it wouldn't be able to hold anything. It has to be perfectly upright to stand. It just has to be. So when you, when you look at that word upright, it's strictly honorable or honest. And the root word for that is to face upward. So when we are thinking about ourselves being upright, and the psalmist is talking about being upright, if you just imagine ourselves looking upright, just stand up and just look upright, looking upward, um, your face was upward. That's kind of signifying that you're looking up to God, you're looking up to heaven for direction, right? Um, so being upright is a characteristic of the divine nature of Christ. Uh, righteousness is a characteristic of the divine nature of Christ. And we are supposed to, we are expected to bear the fruit of righteousness by manifesting good works. Righteousness is not an option if you are saved. Mm. Like, it's not an option. Um, because the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. If I'm wrong, let me know. Because <laughs> um, if, 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 un, if unrighteousness was going to inherit the kingdom of God, then what's the whole purpose of living right and holy? Like, there's no point for any of what we're talking about for this, this striving for righteousness and holiness and, and being perfected into the image of God if, if unrighteousness is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, so with the help of the Holy Spirit, we learn how to cast off all of those things that are um, contrary to holiness. And we cannot consider the righteousness of man the same as God's righteousness. Man lowers the standards of what's actually righteous and virtuous living. Um, they just continue to degenerate what God's standards are. It just seems like, I don't know if it's annually, daily, what, but it's just, it's a constant denigration of God's true standards of living. 
And it's not about who agrees with you. Like I said earlier, with like laws changing and what people say in society, it's not about with who agrees with you or who you want to agree with outside of the Lord. It's about if the word of God agrees with you in your life and your actions, period. So again, it brings us back to Romans 12 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, a.k.a. by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So again, like we uh, talked in Aleph, um, since the beginning of national governments in the natural world, laws change. Rules are systematically overturned. They're changed to benefit those who disagree who come up in another era and their morals are different. Um, society laws collide with divine laws, but God does not change and his rules endure forever. What are your thoughts on righteousness? Yeah, I mean, not much else could be said. I mean, you know, righteousness is righteousness. You know, we, we know the truth and the truth shall set us, set us free. And I think that, um, you know, the two words that I would probably just hang my hat on and just kind of leave it there is, Uh, You know how you said that God is unchanging and his word endures forever. So I think forever um, is something that I think about just that steadfastness and that uh, unchanging ability. And then for us just to fix ourselves on that. So just forever and fix the two words that I would kind of just um, stick to is that um, going back to verse 15, um, it says, um, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. So, um, just a focus again, you know, we've been talking about, you know, what are you thinking about? What are you storing? What are you hiding in your heart? Um, if we fix our eyes on the, on the forever righteousness of God that never changes, like mm-hmm. his word, like for one is living, but two, like the fact that it doesn't change means that you can read it and that truth will always be there. Like that truth is, is something yeah. that you can remember and, and keep forever. It's not something you're gonna have to read today and then Next year, you're going to have another edition of the Bible that comes out. I'm like, oh, man, I, I need to memorize this because this is different. Like God's word is truth and this truth is always going to be truth. And that truth is never going to die. And so the fact that God has that unchanging ability um, is an authority to that. And I think if we fix our eyes on that authority, that keeps us upright and fixed because we will not be unstable and, and doubting because we're able to just keep our eyes on the promise. So as we look up, mm-hmm. um, like it says in, in another Psalm, as we look to the hills from where comes our help, our help comes from the Lord, mm-hmm. um, who's the hope of our countenance. So again, just going to be pointing our eyes back to the word, pointing our eyes back to the word because it's constant and trustworthy and he's proven himself over and over and over again. So when we have a delight in that, um, we can begin to see the hope and the goodness of God that comes through every circumstance being grounded um, in the face of his truth. Wow. Well, um, we're just going to bring it home with the race, which starts in verse 153. That symbolizes the number 200. And um, the actual symbol is for head, like an actual head on a body. We're just going to read the verses real quick, which say, Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Plead my cause and deliver me. Quicken me according to thy word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. That goes with what I just said. (laughs) Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not decline from thy testimonies. 
I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. So again, that reiterates what you're saying. God's word endures forever. Um, one thing that isn't what I was planning on saying, but I do want to just kind of pinpoint is, since I just said it a little bit in this past uh, stanza, was salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek thy statutes, and many are my persecutors. Um, where does it say that? Oh, I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not thy word. Mm-hmm. So salvation is far from the wicked because they don't keep the word of God. You can behold sinners and be grieved because they don't keep the word. So, yes, our hearts are heavy because we know that if they would keep the word that their life could be different, especially if they are people who tasted the word, who seen or tried at one point to profess faith. Um, but, you know, they are not keeping the word. So it's not just, you know, sinners of all kinds. Sinners, there are people that are just not going to make it. That's what the word is clear. You know, it says that wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. So we know that more people are not going to make it than will. But um, that's one thing about just the word, that it it is grievous on your heart when you can see people just outright not keeping the word. Because it's saying, they're not keeping the word, and they're like you were talking, it ties in with your keep on keeping on. So maybe at one point they were keeping it, and now they no longer are. That's what that says to me. Like they kept it before, but they're not anymore. So to transgress is to basically go against what you weren't going against before. Um, so I just want to say that they're not seeking the statutes of God because they don't want to continue to pursue the life of godliness. Um, so. Again, uh, going back to the original point, though, this is the number 200. It symbolizes the head, and the theme for this is overcome. So it does tie with what I just said because at the end of it all, you know, we're either going to overcome by the word or be overcome by the world and Mm -hmm. the things that wage against us. That's really why what I said matters because that is going to be the differentiator between will we overcome and be with him in glory or will we – you know, be overcome and not be with him in glory. Um, so here in this whole stanza here, the psalmist is crying out to be delivered from his troubles. As many of us do, we go through things and we're crying out to God like we're supposed to because he is our source of help. Um, persecution, affliction, suffering is generally targeted at our heads in some way, shape, or form. Thoughts, our mind, and mental attacks, um, things that people say, things that we can't keep our minds off of. So our head is most of the time involved when we're going through any kind of suffering. Um, Without the head, there is no life. So there are are, um, darts that are aimed at our mind, and our minds are encased in our head. Um, And sometimes we self-destruct because we can't see or imagine how God can get the glory from this struggle, this Hmm. persecution, this affliction, this trial, this thing that we're going through. But you do know that God has told us through the word, which is why we need his word, He's told us that we're going to have tribulation. He's told us that we're going to go through many things before we enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, the parable of the the sower, which I love, 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 and, and maybe we'll do that on an episode in the future. Um, but one of those things that it talks about is that when the seed falls on certain soils, that it can't um, be, it doesn't produce fruit because of the fact that it is consumed by the cares of life when trials come 
when you are tested by the word, you fail, you faint, you give it up. And that's a whole other teaching that we can do at another time. But um, that's not what trials and suffering is meant to do. Trials and suffering is meant to strengthen us. It's actually meant to grow us. It's actually meant to root us even more in God. And um, even James says, you know, chapter one, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to them who love him. And so several times throughout this, we've, today, we've already talked about being tested, testing ourselves, test, being tested by the different things that we're going through. But um, when you stand the test, you will receive the crown of life, which is another um, point towards our theme of overcome. If you remain faithful and steadfast under trial, and like you said, whatever you go through, um, persevere with the same level of consistency that you have when you're going through the good times. Rely on God. Still maintain joy. Still display joyfulness. Still have a praise on your lips to God. Still be grateful to God. Still be a positive person out in public. You know, you can't just be a depressed person and, um, you know, woe is me just because you're going through things every time you go through something. Yes, things do get hard and yes, things do get heavy, but that's why we lean on God and we're supposed to rely on his word and all the resources that he gives us to navigate this life and navigate our troubles. Um, and again, reminding us that affliction and suffering is good because it's going to produce good things in us, like you were referring to in that Romans passage. So um, we're supposed to give God glory and God is supposed to be glorified in all circumstances at all times. And yes, it's, it does seem easier and feel easier to give him glory and glorify him when things are going well. But when we're going through the hard times, difficulty and despair, we have to dig deeper and, and even pull back at uh, Aleph, obedience and sacrifice, and dig deeper to give him glory and thanks in those moments of difficulty, in those moments of despair, in those moments of um, pain. Because one thing I've learned and noticed for myself is that you cannot focus on pain and praise at the same time. Mm. You cannot worship and worry at the same time. So when you are truly honed in on worshiping God and praising him, you, you literally cannot worry. And you literally cannot focus on pain when your focus is straight on God. Try it. It, it cannot happen. Because you basically abandoned yourself and you, you have connected with God and you're saying that you are all that matters right now and everything that has concerned me, I have entrusted into your hands. I'm giving it to you right now because I am giving you glory, I'm giving you praise, I'm giving you my trust to not only take care of my situation, but to also take care of me and to comfort me and to soothe me and to help me through what I'm going through. So sacrifice of praise, the Bible talks about that. Um, Worshiping when it hurts, that is some of the best medicine that I personally use in my life. Um, so your focus shifts from your problems to his greatness. Hmm. Wow, deep, deep ending, that? yeah. Um, I'm, I'm loving the head analogy um, and, and kind of what was sticking to me um, was the fact that, you know, when you think about, you mentioned that people target the head um you know even in hunting like you go for a headshot because that's an easy like you know that if you hit the head like the animal's not going to survive and so mm -hmm. when you head hunt um obviously if you hit the head you're dead right and so uh, yeah you know he said in this passage three times give me life 
Um, and so th- that just kind of was speaking as you were talking is to like a reviving, um, uh, you know, and so um, I'll, I'll mention the, the three. It's in 154, 156 and 159. Uh, but it says, plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life. And it says, according to your promise. 156, great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. And then lastly, 159, consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. So his life and his his resurgence was connected to the fact that he knew that based on God's faithfulness, that it was going to come from his word, um, something he had already promised before. Um, and there was a verse, uh, let me see which one that was here. was 153 um look on my affliction and deliver me for i do not forget your law Um, Uh if we look at the the verbs that were used um like he he says deliverance redemption mercy Uh like he's thinking about these attributes of god and the character of god and yet all of that was because he was reminded of god's faithfulness through yeah um 157 I love, and this is actually what I was looking for, is you were talking about the persecutors and adversaries. It says, many are my persecutors Mm -hmm. and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. And when you were talking earlier about defining commandments and testimonies and statutes and precepts, it's important to Mm -hmm. understand why he used testimonies in this one. Um, It says, even in the midst of persecution, I don't swerve from your testimonies. So in this particular one, he didn't say all or anything. He said testimonies and testimonies is the word, yes, but it's also God's testifying against truth. So the fact that, like we mentioned, I think in the last one about, you know, your word is truth. Like when God said something, like it was fact, right? <laughs> like when yeah. we give our testimonies in church, like we're talking about something that already happened, right? We're testifying something. <laughs> right. Just, right? So we're not lying. We're testifying, yeah. right? So right. if we're going to testify, and he says, I don't swerve from the truth of your word, meaning that like if he's going to rely on the on the promises of God, then he's basically saying that in the midst of this hardship, like I'm going to continue to trust in you because you've already proven yourself. So therefore your testimonies are fact to me. I'm hanging my head mm-hmm. on that. Right. <laughs> um, and so yeah. basically the word is the key to perseverance. So if you just like, if you're listening to this and you're struggling and you're having an issue with either sin or, or hardship, or you're feeling persecuted, this particular section right here is the one you want to read. And it's eight verses. But if you look at those eight verses, like every single one of them, there's a key to perseverance in every one of them. So I'll just read them off. And then that's just kind of my points for the day. Um, 153, I do not forget your law. 154, according to your promise. 155, they do not seek your statutes. 156, according to your rules. 157, Mm. I do not swear from your testimonies. 158, Mm. they do not keep your commands. 159, according to your steadfast love. And 160, your word is truth to finalize it. Your righteous rules endure forever. So if you want to endure and you understand that endurance comes through reading the word because he just said your word is truth and your righteous rules endure forever. If you're struggling with endurance, you need to hang your hat back in the word because that's where the perseverance comes from is I'm not swaying from what you said to me, <laughs> right? I'm not uh-huh. swaying from your testimony. It's like, again, you can even go back um, when the apostles were saying like, these things of old were written for your benefit, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So if we can go, even go back to the Old Testament and think, man, like the Lord was bringing them out.
he was saving them and he was showing himself faithful to them like that we can even use for ourselves today to say man like god is faithful to his his word like why did he save them because there was a promise given to them and so it wasn't just the fact that he was just like, ah maybe they need my help maybe I'll, I'll show up but it was the fact that he was true to himself that he showed himself faithful and they then were to be reminded of that so that when they had issues moving forward that they can look back and say god like you're faithful and you said you're going to be faithful so i need to trust mm-hmm. that so the word is not just a, mm. a, a history lesson like the word is our life so if we're going to ask god yeah. for life and he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness yeah. like yeah yes, we already talked about you know being righteous like so that's the godliness aspect but then life issues like there's truth that speaks to our specific issue, whatever that issue is. Like, I'll find a scripture for you. You know what I'm saying? Because God left nothing unaddressed for us. Yeah. And so every every truth in the Bible connects to what we're dealing with today. And we can find hope in that if we're willing to look mm-hmm. for it. So the key is the word and the word is the key. I'm going to leave it on that. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so I just want to kind of seal that with a couple final thoughts, which, you know, just kind of going back to our afflictions, because that seems to weigh the most on us um when they seem heavy and unbearable in our own personal opinion um we have to remind ourselves and if you didn't know you need to know that the word of god says that our afflictions are light now paul wrote that in second corinthians chapter four um but just imagine paul if you know anything about the life of paul okay he says our light afflictions that are just for a moment no matter how long you've been dealing with the afflictions that you have dealt with or are currently dealing with, Paul says they're light and they're but for a moment. Paul was a man of God that almost every single Christian highly respects, regards, um, just in so many magnanimous ways. Um, he was a man that experienced some pretty intense afflictions, yeah. <laughs> if you know what that man went through. Um, and not to put your stuff against his by saying like, well, I went through this and he went through that. But even if you tried to, right, were you shipwrecked? Were you, you know, was your life in danger for, you know, the sake of the cross? (laughs) You know, were people literally hunting your life down? Even though he was at one point persecuting Christians too and trying to kill them as well. You know, still like the Lord told him from the beginning, he's like, I'm going to show him the things that he must suffer for my namesake. Mm -hmm. So he would know going in, like, I'm going to suffer. He might not have knew exactly what kind of suffering he was going to go through, but God told him in the beginning. Now, he doesn't always tell us that, which is unfortunate, but it it comes with the territory. He told us through the word. So as you read the word, then you find out, like, that's the fine print. Once you say yes at the altar, like, yes. All right, well, read the fine print. And all the fine print that we sign and we don't read and we sign our name on all these other type of papers in real life, um, when we read the word, we start seeing that these are the type of things that we have to go through as well. But I'm just saying that your stuff is light in comparison to Brother Paul. Um, and we also have to know that everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world because John says it in First John chapter 5, 4. He said, this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing and persistent faith. So your faith, which comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, hear, receive, obey, it all comes back full circle, right? Um, This is what is going to grant you victory in life. This is what's going to help you to overcome. And like you said, the key to overcoming is the word. 
everything you need is there. If you don't want the word, then you don't want to overcome. Mm. If you deny yourself the word, if you deprive yourself the word, if you refuse to listen to it, then you don't want victory. You don't want deliverance. You don't want healing. You don't want restoration. That's good. So, let us pray. Father, thank you so much for just the gems that you have revealed to us through this wonderful, bountiful chapter in Psalms. Thank you just for enlightening us. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for knowledge and wisdom that only comes from you. And I just pray that everyone that hears this has a heart to receive and everyone that has the heart to receive will follow through with obedience. Um, I pray, Lord God, for the hearts that have been stirred, the hearts that have been pricked, um, not that they feel condemnation or that they wallow in that if that's what they feel, but that they feel that you are calling them, that you are pulling them close and that you are saying, my child, my son and my daughter, I love you. And because I love you, I have allowed you to hear this word and I've allowed you to hear it so that you can respond to it by following suit to align your feet in the paths of my ways. So God, I just pray that the seeds that were sown today will continue to um, just be watered and nurtured and that they will bear a fruit and a harvest that you will um, just bless bountifully, that some will reap 60, some will reap 30, and some will reap 100. But I just pray that your will would be done in the lives of every person who hears and receives this with gladness, Lord. And I pray that it will um, cause people to go deeper beyond what we did today, that they will even go into the other ones that we didn't go into, that they'll go through the whole chapter, that they'll revisit the ones that we did talk about today, and that they'll just seek you for more truth and um, more enlightenment and deeper connection, Lord. We are so grateful to you for your goodness, your graciousness, your mercy towards us, Lord, your endless love for us. We just thank you so much and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Herbro His Sis. Catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you, our family in Christ. Want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Herbro His Sis.